You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Kindness is not nice. Nice is soft and inoffensive. Nice is easy and affects no change. It's cotton wool, not the type that's stuffed tight, but just resting on the surface, ready to be blown away or trodden into a muddy disinterest. Nice is a damp whisper, a mouse cowering in the corner, taking up as little space as possible, lest it be noticed, lest it presume too much and cause a whisker of offence. Kindness isn't like that. Kindness pushes in, claws out, quick and no nonsense, uninvited, unexpected, taking pleasure in disturbance, glorying in leaving nothing unsaid and little undone in its pursuit of leaving long-lasting disruption. Kindness courts everyone, a qualifying candidate, considers anybody to be a primary target. It's a three-act matinee, an evening performance of loud kindness with a four-part chorus. Surprise is its currency and smiles its language, bridging all borders paying excess baggage, waving its passport of common humanity through lands unexplored, ignoring diplomacy, taking each and every offered opportunity to march right in with regiments of generosity, intending to leave its signature devastation, brutal kindness across every nation. Oh, kindness is not a haven of polite, quiet, nice, Kindness is a loving that's not afraid to bite. Hey church, today we're reading from Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 to 26. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Thanks so much for that, Kayla. I do love the fact that we, we're not just looking at the one verse, although really we are spending nine weeks looking at the fruit of the Spirit, but it's within context. And I just, this is our halfway mark, just wanted to step back and remind ourselves of the context. Paul is writing to a church that he knows really well and basically challenging them, stick to the gospel. And uh, I'd, I'd like to suggest that there's two extremes that are going on here. If you if we were to read the whole of Galatians chapter five, Galatians five, verse one to twelve, Paul is challenging them about the law. 
And then in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 15, he's challenging them about what we call license, just live as you please. And then it's almost like he drives this truck through the middle and says in Galatians 5, 16 to 25, live by the spirit. So how does this play out? Well, the law says I am ruled by the law. License says I'm ruled by selfish desires. I do whatever I please. But Paul says I am ruled by the Holy Spirit. You see, the law says I obey because I feel I ought to, even though I don't want to. That's law. License says I don't obey because I don't want to. (laughs) Whereas the spirit, life in the spirit, I obey because I want to, because the spirit gives me new desires. You know, Paul's painting this picture about the gospel. He says, the law, I replace Christ as my saviour. Basically, if I keep the law, if I do good enough, I'm my own saviour. Under licence, I replace Christ as my Lord because I'm in charge of my life. I decide how I want to live. Whereas under life by the spirit, I trust Christ as my Lord and saviour. Final one. Under law, my freedom is lost because I'm ruled by the law. Under license, my freedom is lost because I'm ruled by my selfish desires. But under life in the spirit, my freedom is truly enjoyed because the spirit enables me to choose what is good. And so that really is the picture. This whole thing He's saying, look, don't get sucked into law. Don't get sucked into license. I want you to live by the spirit. And then we have what we are calling the fruit of the spirit. Fruit, one word, nine different sort of descriptions, really. And uh, it's easy to think of it as a whole fruit bowl. But actually, it's fruit of the spirit. The spirit is in us. And it's not like a multiple choice. Which one are we going to be? We can be all of these. Some commentators have divided them into threes. I guess we quite like making patterns. Don't we? The first three, love, joy, peace is to do with our relationship with God. Whereas then the ones we're looking at now, patience, kindness and goodness are to do with our relationship with other people. Faithfulness, gentleness and self-control that we come on to a bit more within ourselves. Anyway, we are looking today at kindness. I believe this is a massive issue. The more I've delved into this chapter, I just think, golly, this is so pertinent and relevant for today. Why am I going to say that? Because I think we live in a self-sufficient society. So much of the things we value are independence, self-reliance and autonomy. I know that that seems a stereotypical thing, but I don't need a map. If I don't know where I'm going, I will work it out. To ask for help is a sign of weakness. Now, maybe that is just me, but I wonder if there's some other people watching that feel like that too. Let's be honest, we encourage even our kids to grow up and be independent. How's that flow to kindness? We honour those in society that are self-made. Celebrities or those on the TV. Oh, wow, they've taken a a company from scratch to a billion pounds a year turnover or whatever. Oh, wow, they're self-made. We really honour them. In fact, the danger of capitalism is that we don't think about the people involved in the product. We just think, I've paid you. I've earned the product. It's my right. We don't think about who 
grew the vegetables or who cleaned them or who washed them or who transported them or who presented them or who sold them to us in the shop. We just think, I've given you my money, it's mine. Even our moles, it's what's right for me. Even the way we work, let's be honest, uh, we, we, we want promotion, we want the boss to compliment us, we want a raise. It's so easy to become caught in on ourselves. Education, we, we value what I know. I think the danger is we then bring that into the church. Actually, this is my job, my marriage, my kids, my money. I would suggest not only is it a challenge for our society, but if you're watching this this morning and you would consider yourself a believer, then I think it's double the challenge for you. Kindness. Why am I saying that? Because I, I worry, or maybe it's my observation, that I think in society today, God and Christians are brushed with harshness. And people tend to think they're those that judge or those that can accuse or have high standards and, and put others down. So I think kindness is something we really want to see cultivated in our life. How do we define kindness, having done that as my background? Well, Christopher Wright, I held up the book last week. I'm sure I'll hold it up again. He wrote the book, Cultivating the Holy Spirit, says, the essence of kindness is being thoughtful for others more than myself in any particular situation. I'll say that again. The essence of kindness is being thoughtful for others more than myself. So to encourage, to comfort, to serve others even if it's inconvenient. It's not a duty, it's a choice. It's not a job, it's not something I'm paid, I'm rewarded, done. It's, it's my offer. In fact, the Bible often links kindness to generosity. It's not just an action, it's to be a character trait. Something that, golly, this is, flows out of us. I would say the opposite of kindness is envy. Envy leaves me unable to rejoice in another person's joy. I think with all these um, fruits, you can have a fake kindness. What would fake kindness be? A fake kindness, I guess, to me is um, you, you do something for somebody, but really to make yourself feel better. <laughs> you know, and I can almost feel like, well, I've done something for you, but, but I feel good about myself. Someone was honest enough to tell me in the church this week that they'd passed somebody who was begging in the streets in Ealing. And, um, you know, rather than put some money in there because they thought, well, you know, I'll buy them whatever they want. They just happened to be outside Marks and Spencer's. So went in and brought them some products and gave them to them, you know. And then they said, oh, was that more about me or about them? Did I do it and walked away think, oh, I feel I've been kind. What's real genuine kindness look like? Well, I know it would seem a cliche, but I do believe that if I want to discover what kindness is, I'm going to look at Jesus Christ. Mm. I love the fact that um, Steve had sent in these very verses, and they were read this morning. In Titus 3, verse 4 and 5, it says, when the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. Jesus, he demonstrated kindness. 
I, I love this, don't you? you know, often when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, four accounts of the life of Jesus, it seems like he's walking around and he's got things to do and places to go, but he often gets interrupted. <laughs> but he's often got time. I think of the woman that's been bleeding for 12 years, shouldn't be out, pushes through the crowd, grabs a hold of his garment, he turns around, he speaks to her. I think of blind Bartimaeus crying out, Jesus, Jesus, the crowd say, be quiet. But no, Jesus takes time. I think even when he's at dinner and this woman comes in and weeps over his feet and, and, and washes them with her tears and dries them with her hair, and you know, everyone's going to go on awkward. Jesus takes time. Mm. I think of Jesus even dying on the cross, the painful physical torture of death takes the time to say to John, look after my mum. Jesus demonstrated kindness. And he taught about it in a radical way, which still impacts us today. I don't know if you've uh, ever thought about it. The Samaritans, the place where you called if you were in real trouble, named after the, the parable that Jesus told about kindness. The parable can be found in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. I won't read it to you, well worth reading. I mean, it's a brilliant, brilliant story. Basically, there's these, this guy that's traveling on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a dangerous road. And he gets beaten up by robbers. They rob him. They leave him there in a very bad state. And this person walks past there. It's a priest. Thinks, oh, I better not get involved. The Levite comes along, doesn't get involved either. The Samaritan. You can almost hear the Jewish crowd going, boo. You know what I'm saying? The Samaritan, they would never expect him to do good. Stops bandages the man, puts him on his donkey, takes him away. This is a compelling parable about kindness. There's two things I would like to say from the parable. One, it's about compassion. Mm. A kind person cares about people. The priest is probably thinking about duty. If I touch a dead body or something, I, I can't do my duty. The Levite is probably thinking about safety. But the Samaritan is thinking, what will happen about the guy if I leave him? That's compassion. Compassion is not, how does this impact me? It's how does it impact them? And then the Samaritan doesn't just think like that. He then acts. I read this week that this particular bit of road, this journey was so dangerous, it was nicknamed the Red or Bloody Way. For years, it's been considered this very dangerous path. But the Samaritan still chooses to act. Although it was dangerous, he crosses racial divides. He puts the injured man on his donkey. He pays at the inn. He offers to come back at a later date in case there's anything else to settle. That is compassion in action. Mm. Paul, when he writes one of the letters in the New Testament, writing to Timothy, he says, look, actually, if you're a believer, I want you to take this. 2 Timothy 2, 24. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. You see, this example, this Samaritan example that, that Jesus tells in a parable, Paul then picks up and says, hey, if you follow Jesus, this is to be true of you. We're not to be those that say, oh, no, what about the cost or what should I be doing? I want to make this as practical as I possibly can today. 
The early church, that's the period of time really just after Jesus had, had risen. We read a lot about the early church in the book of Acts and it carries on you know, probably for the next hundred years or so. The early church was known for two things. One, they only had sex inside of marriage. But two, they were generous to the poor. They were kind. In fact, the Greek word for Christ and kindness, there's only one letter different and when pronounced sound almost the same. It's almost like, oh, uh, Christians, kind ones. That would have been like the name that was given to them. Do you know the kindness was able to change the might of the Roman Empire? What an example to us. So let me just ask you the question, what stops you being kind? I, I, I'll be honest for myself, I think it's too often when I react rather than act. When I react, it's, it's whatever happens in life and I'm busy and, that, and, and I can react to something. I think I'm going to be kind. I probably need to stop and be a bit more intentional. What stops me being kind? When I get too busy. They say, how do you know when you're inside the M25? You start walking faster. That is one of the challenges of living in London. We're always busy. I think it stops us being kind. I think another thing that stops me being kind is when I have my own agenda. Even the story I was telling you earlier about somebody, you know, buying uh, some produce for the person that was uh, begging and eating. Be so easy to be busy. Be so easy to have an agenda. Be so easy to think, well, I'll, I'll even just throw some money there because I can walk on. Sometimes I wonder if we aren't kind because we want to protect ourselves. We hate the thought of being hurt or being taken advantage of. I'm not totally sure about this story, but I heard it this week and I found it absolutely fascinating. There's a story of an Argentinian golfer who won the golf tournament and he's presented with the prize. There's prize money. This was some years ago. And as he leaves the golf club, this woman comes up to him and says, oh, look, I've got a really sick child and I cannot afford to pay for the treatment. And so the golfer thinks, well, there's a sick child. Well, you can have my winnings and signs over his winnings and gives them to the woman. A couple of weeks later, <laughs> the golf club says, uh, sorry to say this, but I uh, just wanted to let you know that you were conned by that lady. The golfer just absolutely smiled and said, what? There is no sick child. <laughs> See, so often we think, oh, we're going to be conned. Whereas I thought, what a lovely attitude. This golfer was almost thinking, Phew, isn't it great? There is no need there. That There isn't someone that's unwell. What helps you be kind? I think this, remember the story. The story of the Bible is this. You are saved by grace. Mm -hmm. You see, what inspires me to be kind is that I think about Jesus. I think that, I was lying on the road of life, broken and beaten and blooded. But actually he crossed the divide and came and picked me up. And when I think about that, it inspires me to be kind for other people. John Sanderson, another book that I've found very helpful for this series, he's written a book called The Fruits of the Spirit, says the Christian cannot be a loner. 
The greater his love for God, the greater will be his involvement for kindness amongst other people. You see, if we're Christians, this is who we are called to be. So let us be those that cultivate this fruit of the Spirit. Mother Teresa said this, let us more and more insist on raising funds of love, of kindness and peace. I love that. You know what I'm saying? There's so often there's a challenge. She said, oh, come on, let's be those that are committed to kindness. What kind of areas could you be kind this week? Practical as I can. In your speech. Are you kind in what you say? In your parenting. Look, I know there's been some challenges. I know some kids are back at school and some aren't. And they're not going to go back in September. How's it going to work in September? Are you kind to your kids? Brené Brown says we should model the kindness we want to see. If you're a parent, you should be modelling the kindness you want to see. What about your marriage? They say that kindness glues couples together. I found it interesting reading this week, Meghan Markle, kindness was the number one quality she looked for in a man to marry. I think, are you kind? Okay, let me not ask you. Let me ask your husband or wife if they're sat next to you. How would they answer the question? I think we're to be kind as a church to one another. I think we're to be kind to everyone we meet. I remember years ago reading, reading a book called The Conspiracy of Kindness. I loved it. It was just this provocation of how could you be kind? How could this fruit flow? I've got two questions. Let's make it as dial it down as practical as I can, because your situation could be totally different. Question one is this. What would I do for people if they were Christ? Wow. If I met someone and I thought they're Christ, how would I express kindness? The second question. What would I do for people if I were Christ? Oh, wow. What might I stop and do if I was literally thinking about living that way? See, kindness, I would say, is one of the most outwardly visible fruits. There's so much that I'd love us to think about, but actually I think the challenge is, how do we do it? The Holy Spirit is more than just a, an, um, a character. We want it to become something that bubbles up inside of us. Evidence that he lives inside of us. It's not that we just, I always used to polish my shoes on the back of my trousers when I was at school. You're worried about an inspection. No, we want the Holy Spirit to fill us, that it will flow in kindness this week. I'm going to take a moment right now to pray that you know the Holy Spirit cultivating that fruit in you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we do want to welcome you. We do ask that, um, we come and we say we're thirsty. We say, fill us, bubble up inside of us, overflow. Lord, I feel challenged myself. I know that fruit takes a while to grow, but I'm asking in my speech, in my behaviour, in my thinking, in my actions, I pray that your spirit bubbles up and that kindness flows out. I ask this for your glory. Amen.